Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. And we're going to read the whole chapter. Exodus chapter 5. Let's start in verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice, to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labour therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where ye can find it. Ye not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way, as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our Saviour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of his servants, and to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Let's open a word of prayer as we start this evening. Lord, we just thank you for your word this, tonight. Lord, the opportunity that we can be able to read it freely, to be able to proclaim it freely and to be able to just join together as believers to spend time studying your word and seeing what it says. Lord, we just pray that as we enter into this uh, book of Exodus, 
that you might just have your hand upon each and every one of us. Help us to gain a greater understanding about what this passage is talking about. But Lord, help us also to realise that we need to have our eyes fixed upon you in all that we do. That we need to be looking and following after you in all that we, all the ways that we go. Lord, just be with us this night. Help us to not be distracted by the things that we might be on our mind. But instead, help us, Lord, to just be focused upon your word. To be focused upon what we're looking at tonight and to be focused upon you, you and how you want us to live. Lord, just be with me tonight. Have your hand upon me and give me the wisdom and the guidance and the strength that only you can give. Allow your word to just be able to flow forth and allow my thoughts to be put aside. Hide me behind your cross, I pray. And allow us tonight to just see how we are to live and how we are to follow after you in all that we do, we pray. In Christ's wonderful and precious name. Amen. One of the most known physics laws is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I had to think about it and make sure I could still remember this concept as I was coming up with this introduction. But take a car for an example. As the wheels push backwards, it makes the car go forwards. If I was to pick up a bucket of water, then I'm lifting it up, but the gravitational pull would be there trying to pull the bucket down. And we could go on and look at all these different examples that are around in our world today. But our passage tonight, there is several reactions that take place. And it's done by several different groups. And it all starts with this meeting. It all starts with this meeting between Moses and Aaron as they meet with Pharaoh. But once their meeting finishes, there is a chain of reactions that take place. And so tonight we're going to look at all of this. We're going to look at the meeting and we're going to see the three reactions that follow after it. We're going to see the meeting first of all and then we're going to see the three reactions that follow after it. So first of all, let's look at this meeting between Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron. The meeting. And we'll start again in verse 1. We'll just read verses 1 through 4 again. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their wrecks get you unto your burdens? Moses here makes a very simple and easy request. And we've looked at this as we've been leading up to this chapter about the, what, the request that was being made. Simply the request was, let God's people go free to be able to go worship him. Let the people go free to be able to worship him. Now the request isn't that they would let them go free permanently. In actual fact, they only asked for a three days journey. In chapter 3 it says that, We pray thee three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. They wanted to hold this feast. They wanted to hold this festival in the wilderness to be able to celebrate all things that are of God. It was their chance to be able to worship Jehovah. It was a chance to worship God 
for all that he had done. And there would be no reason here for Pharaoh to refuse. It's only three days. It's very quick. The people will come back. And yet Pharaoh said no. And we've talked about that several times leading up. Because God had said that Pharaoh would say no. In actual fact, in verse 2 here, he says, Who is the Lord? Now this has a bit of a double meaning to it. He's, in other words, he's saying, I don't know who you're talking about. When you say this Lord or this Jehovah, I do not know who you are actually talking about. But it's also meaning that Pharaoh is saying, I don't believe this is a real God and I don't believe that they are true. Therefore, I hold him to no significance and therefore there's no reason for me to let you go. Pharaoh did not want to have anything to do with him. He just simply wanted the people to go back to their work. It's a bit like this. See, Pharaoh was held as a god himself. In Egypt, they had all the gods. They had the sun god, the river god, the moon god, the all different gods. And we'll see that as we go throughout the book of Exodus. So they had all these different gods that they worshipped. But one of the gods that they worshipped was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was one of their gods. And so for Pharaoh's position... He was almost saying, why am I going to let you go worship that God when I am a God in the first place? If I let you go worship that God, then I'm saying that that God is more important than me. So Pharaoh had no inclination of being wanting to let them go and worship the Lord. And that's what he says there in verse 2. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Pharaoh said no. And so they said, we're only going to go these three days, as we see in verse 3, this three-day journey. Now, some commentators say that this is actually a lie stated by Moses and Aaron, that they were intending to be able to go out as a three-day journey and then clear out and disappear. But that's not the case. It was simply that they were saying this three-day journey because God wanted them to do that right from the start and to show that Moses was going to reject them. Have a look back in chapter 3 and verse 18. Let's get a bit of the context. Start in verse 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto the land flowing with milk and honey. And they, that is the Israelites, will hark, shall hearken to thy voice. And thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So they were told that they were going to go to this land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And yet as they go to Pharaoh, they ask for just this three days' journey. So it's not possible that they would go to the land of Canaan where they would eventually end up and yet only be able to do it on this three-day journey. But this is not a lie because they're simply showing, God is simply showing that Pharaoh has such a hard heart that
that he's not going to let the people go. There's no reason for him to refuse, but Pharaoh wanted nothing to do. He instead thought that the people were just being slack. They were just being lazy. Look in verse 4. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? The word let here means prevent. It means to stop from. So basically, Pharaoh is saying, Moses and Aaron, why are you stopping the people from doing their work? Why are you trying to stop the people from doing their work? Why are you being so lazy and stopping the work? Get you to your burden. Get to your work. Get to what you're meant to get done. You need to go back to what you're doing. As Moses and Aaron finished with this meeting, there would have been no surprise in this. We've just seen in verse 18 of chapter 3 that Pharaoh was going to say... Uh, that when they went to see Pharaoh, that verse 19, it says, and I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. In chapter 3, 19, we can see that. So God was, knew that Pharaoh would reject this request. And it was all about God's timing. But what I don't think Moses and Aaron were expecting is that they weren't expecting the reaction that Pharaoh was going to make. And so we've had that meeting, we can see that meeting. Let's secondly see Pharaoh's reaction to the meeting. Pharaoh's reaction to the meeting. Let's read verse 5 and we'll look from, though from 5 to 14 as we go through it. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. Pharaoh was worried about Israel because Israel wanted a way out. And so he needed to be able to bring them under subjection. And so he was going to do so in the only way how, and that was to place a heavier burden upon them. Verse 6, And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. He was to increase their burdens because he didn't want them to have time to think about going to worship their God. He didn't want them to think about all the things that they could be doing. He wanted them to be working for him, to serve him. And so he calls these taskmasters, who are Egyptians overseeing the Israelite work group, almost like guards looking over a work gang, and tells them that they are to no longer get straw for the people. Instead, the people are to find their own straw. Now, the straw back then was, oh, this word straw talks about the stalk on a grain of corn. So as the threshers would come through to collect the grain, they would just take off the head and they'd leave the actual stalk in the ground. And then someone else would come through and they would collect each of those stalks and they would use that to be able to help them build the bricks. And it had two, pers- two purposes to it, these stalks. The first of all was that they would chop it fine and use it within the bricks to help hold the bricks together. A bit like aggregate would do so with concrete. It would help bind it all together. But the other thing was is that once they mixed this straw in with the mud, the straw would actually start to release a chemical that would help it dry together and help harden the bricks. So this straw that they are required to put into the bricks is very important. It's something that they really, really need in order for the bricks to be able to set properly. And he goes on in verse 8. Pharaoh goes on in verse 8. 
and the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. The word tail here means a proportion or a number. So basically, Pharaoh says that they are to continue to make their bricks and they continue to make the same amount or the same number of bricks that they were already making. But also, instead of having the straw being given to them, they were to go out and collect the straw as well. So they now had two jobs to do in the same amount of time frame with the same amount of people. And so they were being forced to do almost like a double job for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was claiming that it was all because of their idleness. It's almost like they'd had too much time to think and so they'd come up with an idea, oh, we need to, we haven't worshipped God for a while, how about we go and worship God? That'll, that'll be a good way that we can be able to get out of some of our work. But that's not what they were doing. They were wanting to go worship the Lord because the Lord had the chance for them to be able to go unto the land that he had promised them. So Pharaoh is wanting them to do more work. Let their me, verse 9, Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labour therein, and let them not regard vain words. He wanted them to do more work, not worry about serving and worshipping their God. Not worrying about these vain words in his opinion. And so in verse 10 we see that the taskmasters go out and enforce Pharaoh's plan. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spake to the people saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Yet not all of your work shall be diminished. So the message goes out and they say to them, Pharaoh says that we are to no longer give you straw. And second, go get it yourself. Go get the straw, but you still need to make the same amount of bricks that you're already making. The instruction for them is to go get the straw themselves and to make the same amount of bricks. And so the people attempt to do this. Verse 12, So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. Now I got to this verse and I thought, well, wait up. Why are they getting this stubble instead of the straw? I thought, well, maybe they're, maybe, and I looked at it, and it's actually two different words in the Greek. The word straw means that actual stalk that we talked about. But the stubble meant a dry straw, straw or dry sticks or some sort of rough material. And so it was something that they could be able to use. So if they ran out of the straw, which by the sounds of it, they got to the stage where they did run out of the straw, they then had to start to use these roots or these sticks or the, anything else to be able to help bind the material together. And it's a bit like making concrete without some of the aggregate. It makes it very hard and it's, very, it's not going to work and it's not as strong. And so there's that need to be able to use it to be able to bind everything together. And so the Israelites looked for what they could find and all they could really find was this stubble. All they could find was whatever they could to be able to put into their bricks. And as they go looking, as they try and make these bricks, I can just see the taskmasters starting to mock them as it says in verse 13, and the taskmasters hasted them saying, fulfill your works. Your daily task is when there was straw. It's almost like they're saying, come on, get on with it. You need to make as many bricks as you were making the other day. 
There's no problems. You just need to get the straw and do exactly as what you were meant to do before. Almost standing there mocking them, knowing it could not happen. And of course, as the inevitable comes, they get to a stage where they do not make the amount of bricks that they need to make in verse 14. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today as heretofore? These officers were almost like lead workers or those that were in charge of each of the work groups. And they were Israelites. And they were beaten by the taskmasters because their groups hadn't made enough bricks. The people hadn't made enough bricks because of what Pharaoh had requested. And it reminds me of the Christian life in the sense that the persecution was upon upon the Israelites. They wanted to worship and serve the Lord and they spoke up about it and persecution reigned upon them to a massive degree. And when we stand up for the Lord and when we stand up for God, persecution often is very close behind. Very quickly we find that we're being picked on or teased or mocked because we were willing to stand up for God. Now we might not be beaten and we might not be whipped like the Israelites were back here in Egypt. But there are many who do suffer those sorts of persecution but we still come under increased pressure because of who we are. I mean, if we look back about 15, 16 months as the gay marriage debate went on, there was a massive verbal abuse upon people who didn't want it because they were standing up for what God's word said. And those trials will come upon us and it's very hard, but we need to make sure that during those times and through those trials, we are to stand up for the Lord. We need to stand firm for him because God is the one who is in control. When these trials and these problems come, we are to stand up for the Lord because he is the one who is in control. He is the one who has made us. We are his people and we are to stand for him. And the Israelites were suffering the consequence because they wanted to worship the Lord. And so the people begin to cry out. But the problem is that they don't cry to the right right person. Instead of crying out to the Lord and calling upon God, instead they went to Pharaoh. And so thirdly, we'll see Israel's reaction to their increased burdens. Israel's reaction to their increased burdens. We had the meeting. We had Pharaoh's reaction to the meeting with more burdens. And now we see Israel's reaction to the increased burdens. Look at verse 15 and onwards. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. The officers went to Pharaoh, and they said to him, What are you doing to us? They explained to him what was happening, hoping that he might have seen it as a mistake, hoping that it was just the taskmasters choosing to try and be cruel to the Israelites. As if Pharaoh was going to say, oh, I didn't know that. Hang on a sec, I'll stop them from doing all that and I'll get you your straw back. 
And so they go to Pharaoh hoping that he might be able to rectify this problem. And they say, why are we, you dealing with this like this? What have we done to you? You wanted us to be able to make as many bricks as before, but you're not giving us the straw. How can we make as many bricks if you're not giving us the straw in the first place? It's not our fault. It's your people's fault. They are the ones that are dealing with so harshly. What's the go? But Pharaoh was going to have none of it. Verse 17, but he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice unto the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you. Ye shall, yet ye shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. Pharaoh was having none of it. This word idle means slackers. You slackers, Israelites. You're slackers, you're lazy. Go out and work. Just go get the straw, get the bricks and get going. Stop coming to me and complaining. Get to the work. And then Pharaoh gives his reason to the Israelites as to why their burdens had been increased. When he says, you shall not... Uh, sorry. Ye are idle, ye are idle, therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. This was why Pharaoh had increased their burdens. Because they were saying, we want to go sacrifice to the Lord. And so he sends them off. Sends them off to be able to continue brick making, continue doing what they're meant to do. The Israelites saw that we were in a very evil and sticky situation, verse 19. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, you shall not minish from your bricks of your daily task. They knew they were in a bad situation. They knew they were on the wrong side of Pharaoh's anger. And as they came out of that meeting with Pharaoh, they were ready to let rip. It just happened to be that they came across Moses and Aaron first. Verse 20, and they, met with, and they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto him, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Note here they don't blame God. God had been the one. They'd agreed that God had told them to let get, uh, go to Pharaoh and ask to go free. So they don't blame God for their situation. They actually call upon his judgment to judge upon Moses and Aaron. That's why it says, look on you and judge. He was to judge their behavior. In their opinion, Pharaoh saw them as a stinky pair of socks almost. Have a look in verse 21. The, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of, of Pharaoh. The word savour here means a odour or a sweet smell. So in other words, whenever Pharaoh was thinking of them, they thought, he was thinking of an evil, disgusting thought. It's almost like a bad smell. That Pharaoh was linking a bad smell to the Israelites have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. They were in this sticky situation. They were a sense because they were evil in his eyes. They thought Pharaoh and the taskmasters were ready to kill them. 
to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And it was all Moses' fault. And when the negative tide comes, we always look to offload the blame. We don't look at our own heart. We don't look at what's going on. We don't look to the Lord. We just look everywhere else and look for someone or something to blame. We look to offload the blame. And as we saw it before, people will often have blamed Christians. Now, sometimes people who claim to be Christians have the blame to put upon them because they've done the wrong thing. But most of the time, it's simply that the world does not accept Christ. Turn to John 15. And we see this perfect example. John 15, starting in verse 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you, For my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Christ tells the disciples here that the world will hate them because the world hates him. And the world will hate against us. They'll disagree with what we believe and they'll disagree with what we teach and what we preach because they disagree with Christ. They're too busy worrying about having this desire to destroy anything that's Christ-like that they'll look to try and destroy us too. So we can't take it personally. It's not us, it's Christ that they hate. But we are to still stand up. Stand up for the Saviour, stand up for the one who died for us because he made that great sacrifice for us. Once we become a Christian, it's not plain sailing. People think that suddenly the road is easy and everything is just rolled out before us, but that's not the case. We now have a saviour and it's he that we serve. And the world will hate us because we are in him. But we are to stand up for the Lord. We are to stand up for him because he is the one who died for us. We need to make sure that we have our eyes fixed upon him and we are to serve him. Even though persecution and trials may come, we need to make sure that we look to him. As these Israelite leaders walked away, Moses then had the best response of a lot. Well, kind of. Let's have a look fourthly at Moses' reaction to everything going on. Moses' reaction to everything going on, verses 22 and 23. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil and treated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Imagine if verse 23 wasn't there and verse 22 only stopped after that first phrase. And Moses returned unto the Lord. 
I mean, that would have been a perfect example, wouldn't it? Moses had been lambasted by the Israelites. The Israelites were going through all these problems and they were being persecuted because they wanted to serve the Lord. Wouldn't it have been great if it just said, and Moses returned unto the Lord, as if to say Moses turned to God in prayer. He did the right thing at the first step. He returned unto God. Now, this doesn't mean that he went all the way back to the burning bush and he met with the Lord there. He simply turned to God in prayer. He found a place to talk to God and this was the right thing for him to do. But what he said was just the blame game again. And this is the part that's not right. He says to the Lord, Lord, what have you done? Wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why are you doing evil to your people? Why are you bringing evil upon the Israelites? Why is it that thou hast sent me? Why have you sent me to here? Why, God, why? Why, 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 why? Ever since I've spoken to Pharaoh, everything's gone pear-shaped. They've now been increased on their burdens. That meant that the people are annoyed. They went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh let rip on them. They let rip on me. What are you doing, God? And you haven't even delivered your people yet. Verse 23, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses had forgotten that God was in control. Moses had forgotten that God knew what was going on. Moses had forgotten that Pharaoh would say no. He'd forgotten those conversations he'd had with God at the burning bush. He'd forgotten the conversations that he'd had with God before he came to Egypt. He'd forgotten everything. And now he, here he is blaming God for what God is doing. But God was in control. God knew that they had to go through these problems first in order for the Israelites to be ready to leave the land of Egypt. He forgot that God was in control. But God will show him. And let's have a quick sneak peek for next time we get to Exodus. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now, the Lord says, Now I will bring these judges. Now I will bring these plagues. Now everything will come upon Pharaoh. Pharaoh said no, and now he will see that I am the great and mighty and wondrous God. And how often is it that we turn and blame God? Now, we might not do it in prayer, but when something goes wrong, we go, oh, of course again. Of course that's going to happen. Of course it's one of those days. Of course the, the light's going to turn red. Of course the person in front of me is going to have a problem at the cash register. Of course everything's going wrong. How often do we turn and blame God as if to say, God, what are you doing? How often do we forget the promises that God's laid out for us? When God promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, and then when we're going through a problem, we say, Lord, where are you? And yet there he is with us. We just can't see him because we're so blinded in our unbelief. And Moses was frustrated and so he blamed God, but God was going to still be in control. And as I was going through this and looking at it, 
it reminded me of our problems going through and waiting for Chloe to come along. And it was a long road and at times I wanted to turn to God and say, what are you doing? What have we done wrong? I mean, what, 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 what's wrong? How hard is it, God? Just what's going on? And for 28 months, and as 14 other people had babies, and we're standing there going, what's going on, God? What have we done wrong? And it was so hard to be able to not turn to him and say, Lord, haven't you got it under control? What's going on? Why us? But God had a plan. God knew what he was going, he was, knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going, and God knew every single step. We just need to keep that in mind. And each and every one of us, we can look through and we can look as a church at all the things that have gone off in the last 12, 18, 24 months to be able to look over the years that this church has been going. And we can say often, we can have looked at ourselves and we could have turned to God and say, what are you doing? And we can look back now and go, Lord, what an amazing God you are. What amazing God you are to be able to keep us and look after us and care for us each and every step of the way. We need to keep that in mind because he is the God who is in control. He had a plan and he knows what is best. And at times it is really easy for us to say, Lord, what are you doing? But we need to remember that God is in control. And those times will be hard and they will be troubling and at times we'll just turn around and not know where to go. But we need to go to the Lord. And say, Lord, you know what's going on. I don't. I have no idea. No idea what's happening, but I know you do, Lord. So I trust you to do what is best. Moses had the first part right. He went to God. He went to the Lord and said, Lord. And he should have said, Lord, you're in control. Just tell me what to do next. But instead he doubted. We should respond by going to the Lord and saying, Lord, what's next? I know there's a problem, but I know you've got it covered. What do you want me to do next? And remind me of Luke 12, 28. If then God so clothed the grass, which today in the field, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Reminds us to just turn to the Lord. Turn to him and say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I want to just look to you. Lord, I just want to follow you. You're in control. What do you want me to do next? We need to remember to turn to him. To not have the wrong reaction of the Israelites, to not have... The wrong reaction of Moses blaming, but just turn to him and trust him. Looking to him in everything we do. When the trials and troubles come, let's make sure we turn to the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we just thank you 
for this reminder that we can turn to you in everything that you're doing. And Lord, at times the road might seem too hard and the path just makes us weary. And we want to just turn to you and say, Lord, what are you doing? But Lord, help us to have our eyes fixed upon you. Lord, be with us, encourage us, strengthen us. Reminding us that when we are weak, you are strong. Lord, help us to turn and look to you in everything we do. That we might be able to praise and honour and glorify your name. Lord, help us to have our eyes fixed upon you. And when the hard and trying times come, help us turn to you and say, Lord, you are in control. What do you want me to do next? Lord, help us to just look to you. In everything we do, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.